we just are, I think, so fortunate to have the opportunity to take that success and roll it into a larger vision where we have the opportunity to take everything we learned and contribute to, you know, a greater whole. Hello, this is the Great Battlefield Podcast. I'm Nathaniel G. Perlman. A great political battle is being fought right now between progressives and the forces of reaction on the other side. This show is about the political entrepreneurs and other progressive leaders who are finding new or improved ways to fight. This episode is part two of my interview with Michael and Shola with Tuesday Company. They discuss their path to acquisition by Helm, a new political data and technology company that's been building tech and making acquisitions. Here they talk about Helm and that company's vision of an ambitious, unified civic engagement product, which can help measure impact of their clients' work in real time. We also discussed competition in the political data and software market, political entrepreneurship, and the types of clients they will serve or avoid. Again, I appreciate Shola and Michael's interest in speaking in depth about their story. So after our sponsor, the second part of my conversation with the founders of Tuesday Company, now acquired by Helm. Check out the large, detailed, and high-quality political data graphic posters from Timeplots. Our visual history of the American presidency, for example, lets you see the Clinton, Bush, Obama, and Trump presidencies in full context. Timeplot's library includes visual histories of the United States House, the United States Senate, the Supreme Court, and the Democratic and Republican parties. Find them all at www.timeplots.com. Use the code BATTLEFIELD for a discount. What we're doing here is kind of an addendum to the earlier interview. Your new company's coming out of stealth mode, right? And we're having a, maybe an opportunity to talk about some things that we weren't able to or didn't get to in the first part of the interview. Catch me up. I've spent a little bit of time since we spoke thinking about the questions that you asked us because you asked us really good questions that I hadn't been considering before. <laughs> um, one of the things that I felt it was important to share with you and with your listeners is to go a little bit deeper on the question you asked about competition. When I look at the history of the Tuesday Company, our competitors really helped us innovate, especially because the market was so small. We pushed each other to be better. I'm grateful, honestly, that we had the chance to do that with people who we knew. We were in HGL with Sang and with Nassim. We had lots of ways to interact with Mike at Empower, and, and they were really smart, dedicated people who were trying to solve some of the same problems that we were trying to solve. And having that competition helped us reinforce our North Star priorities. It helped us confirm that we were focused on relational organizing, and it helped us kind of gut check our belief in what the best kind of organizing model would look like for this market. Michael, what have you been thinking since the interview that ought to be considered? <laughs> <laughs> the big thought I had as soon as we ended our first interview was what it's like to start a company, any company, but I think especially in like the small um, world of civic tech and wanting to say that, you know, as the civic tech ecosystem continues to grow, I would love to have the opportunity to help other companies that are starting out and other entrepreneurs and to the degree that, you know, anyone listening to this would find any of the experience that we've had useful. I think both of us are, are really happy to pay it forward. We had so many mentors and supporters along the way. And, and I think that it would make me at least really, um, really happy to be able to do the same over the next political cycle with a new generation of entrepreneurs. There is something about entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship it's such an intense experience often, and there is so much learning. 
there's almost a compulsion to want to share that with other people. It's kind of the excitement and the blunders and (laughs) the good moves and the challenges. It's like this story of this organism that you're building unfolding, right? That you're part of and that you have a lot of control over, but not complete control of because it's evolving in a market. How it goes forward is a result of how you try to encourage people that you're leading to act. And then, you know, how clients respond to it is not always entirely predictable. There's some real fascination with that. And I have that, right? Having having built the company in the space, I, I'm always wanting to talk to other people who are doing it. You see so many things through the experience that you've had. Definitely. I've honestly been surprised in the months since the acquisition went through and I've started sharing the news in one-on-one conversations with um, friends and partners across the space. I have had lots of people say, hey, I'm working on this project. Can you help? Um, Or, you know, you've been through this before. What did you do in this scenario? And I've been A, surprised at how many people are interested in having these types of conversations and B, in how much fun it's been for me to do that, (laughs) to make those points. Absolutely, we're here. Because you've been through a intensive course, a course of learning, right? And there are things that can be applied fairly universally from that process of learning to all kinds of other startups. It doesn't have to be in civic tech, but there, of course, are specific learnings there too. Yeah. And and actually, that might be a good segue to talk about Helm, which is officially, you know, announcing... Um, it has a name now. <laughs> yeah, it has a name. And this is, you know, the organization that acquired us. And it's a startup that's a bit bigger than the Tuesday company, but still very much a startup. And, and Helm is a team of, you know, researchers, scientists, designers, engineers, and campaigners. You know, they're building and we're building with them a data and technology platform for organizers and issue advocates. So the focus here and the focus for Helm is to design and execute experiments to better understand human civic behavior, determine which interventions drive impact and scale them to the aim of creating a more participatory democracy. Michael, that that particular paragraph or so there didn't come off the top of your head entirely, right? I mean, that's... that's Absolutely not. That's been (laughs) the topic of much discussion. When you have a launch, you know, there's a lot of time ahead of that to be thoughtful. But to me, the the thing that at the heart of it, that's that's really fun um, and really exciting for myself. and, And I think for our employees that are, that are all, you know, still at home and working on civic tech is this focus um, on learning and experimentation. And it's a really cool opportunity that we've been able to be a part of so far for the last couple of months. Say everything we've learned over the last four years, you know, we can apply it to building a new set of technology and um, be a lot more kind of evidence-driven and experimental than we have had the chance to be in the past, which is fun. So who should be excited about this? How do you think this reshapes, if it does, the ecosystem of political technology, the options that are out there? The first focal point of like Helm is really for advocacy organizations and nonprofits. And part of the core value is building technology on top of a really smart data set in an integrated fashion to try to kind of demystify impact. So, you know, it's happening right now and has been happening for the last six months since the 2020 election where, you know, the different voter files are processed and different conferences are happening. Everyone's like, we've, you know, run the numbers and we think this had an impact and like we did this, that was good. It's a process of learning as an ecosystem that happens pretty slowly, like, after a whole election cycle finishes, then like months pass, and then everybody kind of thinks like, oh, like, what did we do that worked? Helm is, is really building in a way that attempts to demystify 
what is working and what is not as you're doing it and, and incorporate experiments um, and the ability to learn from data much more tightly into the day-to-day processes of organizing and advocacy so that clients have a much clearer understanding of what's accomplishing their goals and why. And I think the other note that's you know worth sharing is that we're thinking about this as tools that can be used by operators to shape campaigns, organizations, and movements. One of the reasons we're really focused on advocacy and nonprofits is because they are working on longer time horizons. So some of the benchmark checks that Michael is talking about are important in the advocacy space in particular because you're not really working around the success of an election. You're thinking about moving the needle in a specific community over many months or years. And we don't really have tools to measure that kind of impact at all right now across the space. We're focused on, did we win the election? Did we pass the ballot measure? Um, And that may not be the most useful metric for a movement as you're building that, that longer term project. And so we've found in our conversation so far that the kinds of clients that the Tuesday company was working with previously are really excited about this, are all of the kind of advocacy and nonprofit clients that we had in 2019 and 2020 looking to continue building on their work with us. We're also thinking about foundations, um, national advocacy organizations, hyper-local advocacy organizations. Our goal here is that the the tools we're building are accessible to basically anyone, any size organization. And so sometimes we'll have clients who are really deep in the data with us, and other times we'll be able to manage their services and um, and provide the insights that allows a two-person team in a tiny town in New Jersey to be able to have impactful work in their community. And I think the other people who are excited about it, honestly, are are us. <laughs> We're so proud of our employees in general. We could not have done any of this without them. But watching them integrate into a much larger organization and pretty immediately have an impact on the culture and the things that we're building is it's like you're watching your kids grow up or something like it's it's so exciting. Um, and I know that they've made very clear how happy they are to be here and to be doing this kind of work in in democracy building and and focusing on on helping civic engagement. I mean, much larger organization. How big is Helm at this point in terms of employees? About 80. About 80. And do you have a sense of how many clients sort of are using the tools at this point in aggregate from the various acquisitions and I'm not sure one of Helm's priorities in its early days before before the Tuesday company joined forces with them was to work with about a dozen organizations on really focused use cases that incorporated all aspects of the platform. That was a priority last year. Um, I know that there are lots of clients that are part of the Helm ecosystem in the same way that our clients became part of the Helm ecosystem through acquisitions. Uh, So I don't know what that number is at this point. What are the other acquisitions that make up Helm at this point? The first was CrowdScout and then Organizer. And then I believe some assets from Tim Shell and the Tuesday company. And I think that is all that are, are currently public. So that's where I'm going to stop. <laughs> so does that mean others are in process? Yes. Other uh, HGL entities? Not sure. <laughs> Good questions, though. Appreciate your question. <laughs> <laughs> I am always appreciate people who like the question and want to answer it. (laughs) (laughs) So who's not going to be happy by this? Any launch of a new entity with 80 people and capital uh, with a bunch of acquisitions is going to change markets. Who's the competition that ought to be paying attention to this? One of the things that I've heard pretty consistently as we explain the tool set that we're building and the offerings that we have is 
a lot of excitement that there's information we can share now with donors about impact from the advocacy space separate from electoral work. And so saying like, oh my gosh, I can prove that my program is moving the equitability of this community in the direction we want it to go. That's something people are excited about. And so I think the organizations that might operate in our ecosystem kind of on the edges of that impact are going to have a lot more to answer for now if they're being compared in a donor's mind with an organization that's that's using our products and can demonstrate people are better off because of their work. Well, just to, to burrow in a little bit on that proof of impact. So where's that coming from? Does that mean you're facilitating email, so you are surveying. What is the experiment test sort of loop? Where is that taking place in what you're building? It's fair to say that right now it's relatively manual, right? Like we have a chief research officer and we have a research team and that research team is doing two things, right? They're deeply involved in what we are building and how we are building uh, our products and making sure that you know every feature has the ability to run A-B tests easily and give data cl- to clients and that we are able to you know, be automatically ingesting that data into our kind of larger smart data set and be giving insights. But also like, at this point, as some of those things are still in like kind of minimum viable product form, they're also just working like very closely with our clients to run tests um, and to help them kind of understand on a granular level, you know, what's working and what's not. And so I think that you know, to your question about who's not going to be happy, Really, right now, I think the order of operations for a client is like, go find a data set, go find a CRM, go find like an external partner that can help you run a randomized control trial, go find like a volunteer facing app or tool, like cobble all these things together, try to connect all the data, and then try to, you know, have a third party partner that doesn't really know your program to help glean insights and that's actually kind of a luxury, like not, not, not very many organizations or programs can get all of those pieces um, and pay for them all at once. Whereas we're building from an end-to-end perspective, all of those integrated into one platform. And we, we really see a ton of potential for those types of data insights and iterative testing insights to just be a matter of course, if you can build it easily and intuitively into a core platform that lots of clients use. What do you think the biggest challenges are going to be for Helm as it announces itself and unveils what it has? I think that it's actually going to be a bit similar to what it was like for us with the Tuesday company four years ago or five years ago, like when we started relational organizing was not the term of art that it is today. It was, we, we didn't know what we were calling it. (laughs) I'm not sure that we can take credit for the term, but there was a huge amount of client education that we had to do where we were saying, Hey, you know, we have, we have all this data that shows this is a really effective approach that you should try for Helm, we're going to have a lot of education uh, to do where we're saying, hey, when you can seamlessly integrate all of these currently disparate parts, here's what you can learn. And here's how it makes your program better. And that's going to take some market education and some time. And having done that before, it's fun, but it's hard. And (laughs) I think that will be a, a, a challenge, certainly. On the relational front, which is just a piece of this, as I understand it, you mentioned your old competition, um, Sang with Outreach Circle, also got acquired into PDI, a larger database company with a voter file technology side to it. 
how do you see that part of the space evolving right now? You know, outvote still out there. Do you think that people for relational organizing pick something that's separate and has focus and, and maybe using a, a bunch of other technologies to build their suite or choosing this particular suite that you're part of? Because it feels like now there's going to be a lot of questions about how to assemble the different technological parts. Definitely. I think the way that I'm thinking about it, if we're just if we're just looking at Outreach Circle, Outvote, and Team, and what what became of these products and where these companies are going, I think that one of our differentiators at Helm is that we're really focused on long term movement building work. We don't expect to work with candidate campaigns. One of the things PDI has done really well in the last. I don't know, at least five years or so that I've been following them is building out a ecosystem of campaigns on the West Coast who are really passionate about their product and using their data to run their programs. Helm is not going after the same segment of the market as PDI. If we look at what Outvote has done with Nassim at the Helm, they are... I don't think you should say Helm anymore. I know. (laughs) I can't use this word in my day-to-day now. It is Um, actually a very, I think it's a nice name for a company in the space, but. um, Well, thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've been really impressed with how intentional the, our acquirer has been with their, their branding and their comms, both internally and externally, um, as we are getting this off the ground. Nazim's company has focused, I think, in part on relational organizing and in part on peer-to-peer organizing. They built a P2P component. And when they did that, it was one of the really strong clarifying moments for us about what our North Star was and what our priority was. I think they built a really fantastic product and they also work with lots of campaigns. They won't have the CRM component that PDI has or Helm has. And so there's a um, a variety of options for for clients as they're thinking about which of these tools makes the most sense for their program. Michael talked about Helm as being a data company, and that is the kind of foundation of what we think about. Most of our clients probably won't ever see the data thing <laughs> that we're building. They'll see the products that are available for measuring impact, and they'll see the tools that you can use to direct impact like team or other kind of organizing products. And so I think that's another important component is that our clients, the ones that are using the product day to day, won't be the necessarily exclusively the data folks, right? It's meant to be a fully integrated effort. And is the data go to voter file data, among other things? Voter file data, commercial data, we're building proprietary data sets with some really phenomenal data scientists, um, leaders from the Obama era and from startups across the space in the sort of decade in between. And so is any of that in concert with existing data companies like Target Smart, Catalyst, et cetera, or is it all wholly built from scratch within Helm? I know that we started off with some data that was purchased. I don't think it was from any of those um, direct competitors, but you know, we didn't start from a blank slate. We tried to come to a place where we had kind of what is currently the state of the art and then work on taking that a step forward. We have a real shot with Helm to achieve something of like a holy grail, at least in my head, as I've been thinking about it in the Tuesday company and our work over the last four or five years, which is for every kind of component of volunteer and voter interaction data to go into one coherent database that makes everything you do across your campaign smarter. And I think that's always been a real challenge with the current ecosystem where it's like, okay, you know, if someone's using Team, we might know 
you know, that they're working with this organizer and they've got these friends who are, you know, in their contacts, who are they're working with and they've, you know, contacted these people and here's how those conversations went and here's who they had relationships with and here's who they didn't. But what goes back into the database currently is like contacted Y slash N, you know, and there's like this huge amount of really, um, I think, impactful data that is underutilized and that could inform a persuasion campaign, further outreach campaigns, um, you know, fundraising. And we've tried to encourage clients to do that, but because of the way the systems are currently built, it's a ton of manual effort and very few people undertook it. And so I, I think being able to make that elegant and easy and automated is just really exciting and, and allows each component of an organization's work to make the other components better in a way that's often lost today. I read a book at the end of 2020 that had a significant impact on my life and the way that I think about my own day-to-day. It's called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. He's a journalist who did a bunch of research and into how, how and why people make decisions. And I think the kind of all-encompassing data-informed decisions that Michael's talking about are pretty commonplace in the private sector. And I learned about some of those things from this book, The Power of Habit, where marketers at corporations are using all kinds of data about individuals to model future behavior by individuals who look similar and then send you coupons for things that you might want to buy. We don't do that in the electoral space, and it's a missed opportunity. Um, We don't do it in the advocacy space and it's a missed opportunity. And so I think for me, that's what's really exciting is thinking about, not about um, using data to like nefariously change someone's mind about this kind of dark and shady thing, but actually thinking about empowering individuals with their own organizing superpowers. How do we get the end users, people across this country to feel like they have the tools in their pockets, in their cell phones, um, at their doorsteps to make an impact in their community. And it could be make an impact by voting. It could be make an impact by building a playground in their neighborhood. It could be, you know, mentoring, setting up a canned food drive, any number of things. There's lots of ways to be engaged civically and watching us, I think, long-term like empower individuals to do that is what's exciting and inspiring to me. Is there an advocacy component of this? Like there are, there's a group of companies like Phone to Action, which are in the advocacy space. It's part of organizing to affect elected officials and what they're thinking. Is that part of the Helm current system or plan? Yeah, I think that the that the foundation of that kind of advocacy work of calling lawmakers, of sending emails of, um, you know, building a kind of like iterative campaign around a a particular advocacy effort is definitely part of this. And it it comes in part from our history of working with CrowdScout. What else should we know about Helm as it comes out of the gate? What's the plan? One of the things that's very important to us that we've spent, and honestly, to Michael and I, I think on a you know, as individuals in this space who've who know this industry really well, but but more importantly to the leadership at Helm, is that the we are launching Helm. Yes, it will be launched when this podcast goes live. But we're not trying to do like a massive media push to get a bunch of attention on Helm. We're really thinking about how we can have an impact and and let the stories of our clients and our users speak for themselves. And so we're thinking about um, using their voices, using the voices of organizers and community members um, and lifting those up in the coming months to try to um, really like share their stories because it's much more interesting (laughs) ultimately than Helm and our origins uh, is the impact that they're having. We talked a little bit in the first segment, if we're going to call them segments, about who you wouldn't work with. I mean, you earlier 
today said something about basically anyone could use it. And I had asked about like the NRA, I remember, and I didn't get a clear answer in my mind about what the boundaries are of who you would allow or seek to have as a client of Helm. Is there more clarity to that now? How could I understand that? I think the best way to understand that is actually to think about the tools for measuring impact that we talked about earlier. I'm thinking about them in as as really two distinct tools. One that can help you look at how the impact that you're having and kind of look behind you at what you've done most recently and whether that moved the needle. And the other can help you look ahead to try to determine where you want to run a program. And so for us, it's about looking at whether you are having the impact you say you are going to have. We definitely have hard lines about things that we absolutely will not work with. But ultimately, whether we're working with an organization is about whether they are building a more participatory democracy and and uh, empowering people in the ways that we think will. There's a pro-life group and there's a pro-choice group. There's a pro-gun group and there's an anti-gun group. Are you going to be on both sides of these fault lines in society or are you going to be on one side? Yeah, I think, you know, the current language that I, I have found helpful is that we are not bipartisan so you know not trying to take like both sides but are are instead nonpartisan so rather than working with like the RNC and the DNC or one or the other we're much more focused on you know can we work with groups that are you know trying to push forward issues that a broad majority of Americans agree on like environmental conservation and support them to be more effective in accomplishing their goals. So something that's like a true, you know, partisan issue, we don't choose to engage with. But I mean, even like a big environmental issue, you know, there might be, uh, you know, the Sierra Club that you could work with, and there might be a coalition of agribusiness that is you know, a a very legitimate player in the economy and helps feed people. And you have to make a decision about, you know, are you going to give them tools to further the aims of that coalition or not? I've certainly faced that question in multiple companies that I've run. It's not an easy one. Definitely. And I think that, you know, you asked what some of our challenges are going to be. It would be naive of us to say this won't be one of them for sure. You know, the Tuesday company worked with primary opponents. One of our main discussion points around who we serve in the market was around whether we were willing to work with primary opponents, whether we were willing to work with independent candidates. And for us, when we were running the Tuesday company, the answer was uh, yes, because we are building a product and it is up to the organizers who are running their program to use that product. And there's no reason why if we're working with Kamala Harris, we can't also work with Joe Biden. It's a different segment of the organizing community that each of them are working with, right? And so I think that the two examples that you gave are not inherently in competition. Plant Parenthood and a pro-life group are not inherently in in competition. No, um, a... Uh, in a group, like an association of industry leaders who are working on green energy and a environmental organization. I didn't quite put it that way. It sounds like a like it's coming down to be more of a business decision than an ideological decision. Honestly, like, you know, we are not in the driver's seat entirely. That business decision is above our pay grade. I think it's going to be fraught personally, but you know, the, there may be wisdom that I'm not aware of. In <laughs> no, I mean, so there's two points I want to make real, real quick. One is to be clear when we say business decision, that's not really about a bottom line. I think Michael talked a lot about the experimentation that we're looking to do. There are lots of um, components of what is 
good for our company and our organization and the the world that we want to live in. I don't want it to be misconstrued as like who can pay us more because that's really not the primary goal of this organization. The other note is that I have had the privilege of having conversations with leaders across the ecosystem in the last several months. Part of my responsibility at home has been talking to dozens of people, um, people who are running philanthropies, people who are running programs, people who are uh, organizers and activators and CEOs, anyone who might be interested in using this product and sharing what we're doing with them. And they're honestly providing excellent feedback. And so we are building those relationships in part to have their input in how we're using our data, how we're building the scores and models that we're building, how we're thinking about activating communities, and what kinds of clients we're working with. Because I think that you're right. It's a really thorny question, and it's been a problem in our space for many, many, many years, Um, and something that we will continue to grapple with as we build the company. What can you tell me about CEO and ownership of Helm? Well, our our CEO is Evan Burfield, who I don't know if you would have come across him in. I came across him from 1776, which was a kind of a co-working incubator type place in D.C. From the perspective of ownership, I think all we can say today is like, you know, it's backed by patient philanthropic capital. So when Shola says our maximizing our bottom line is less important to us than, than kind of maximizing positive impact on society. That's reflected in how the ownership is structured and who the owners are. And I think to get deeper into Evan Burfield and ownership structures, we have to defer to Evan Burfield and you should, you should have him on as a guest and we'll have to help you uh, pressure him to, to get on the pod. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want to pressure him, but I would love him to, I would love to talk to him about it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I would also love to talk to like, people who started um, the other acquisitions like Organizer, I think that they would have interesting and analogous but different stories to the two of you. I mean, there's something very exciting, I think, about conglomerating a number of good entities together and having a big vision and connecting the data and the testing. I mean, I I don't want to obscure that in in some of my more pointed questions about you know, about client, I think there's a very valid pro-democracy viewpoint that a lot of my guests have who are not playing the partisan game and who are, you know, concerned about the democracy and how it functions. And, And sometimes, you know, I think you can make a very decent case that, you know, good tools for organizing Americans is not a bad thing. For me, it's very tricky when you know, that might be Tea Party groups that in my mind or might be Trumpists. But, you know, I think, you know, the vision that you've kind of put together sounds appealing and sounds like it can find its place for sure, especially with, you know, the heft behind Helm. Where do you think this evolves over the next five five years, say? What, what do you foresee? Honestly, you were watching the wheels turn in the video where you can see my face in part because I mentioned I'm having conversations with leaders across the space sharing what we're building and what we're doing. And for the most part, their responses on what timeline. And the reality is there are some pieces that will come out right now is MVPs, as Michael talked about. And over the next five years, we're really building one coherent thing I think we've shared the next five years with you <laughs> to some degree. My experience is it takes a certain amount of persistence and endurance to enter a market, especially some of the nonprofits and big organizations you're talking about that that switch technologies not at a rapid pace. Sales cycle can be pretty long. Um, you know, there will be reviews. I mean, there'll be that initial sort of description of what you are and then people will will use it and find out whether it's super helpful or not the product and the support around it will dictate the pace of adoption um, among other things absolutely and i think that 
you know, what we have laid out, like <laughs> what I said earlier um, about like a holy grail of different features all backed up by the same kind of smart pool of, of data informing each other and making a holistic program better and helping measure impact. Like that's a big vision. And right now I would, you know, I would say that we're in a place where, where we can do that, but getting to a point where that is elegant, where that's scalable, where it's automated, like those things will take five years. Um, and that's, that's the goal. And, and I think that how as much, if not more so than, than any startup because of the huge emphasis we have on research will be kind of following a lean startup trajectory for, you know, unfortunately to use a buzzword, but to, to do a ton of testing and to move um, and evolve and grow based on the results of those tests um, to the best of our ability. Considerably less lean than some. Yeah, sure. <laughs> lean startup as a methodology, not a headcount. <laughs> I mean, that's part of why this kind of we have the backing that we have is precisely because it takes time. Also, I think one of the things that I have been most impressed with as we considered joining this company for our acquisition was how serious they are about learning. It is not a rigorous research apparatus that is meant to prove that what we're doing now works. It really is trying to get to the bottom of what is most effective and leaning into that. And so the future of this company may not have any discernible evidence that team was the foundation. It will have come from what we built at the Tuesday company. And you'll be able to trace that really clearly. But the product that people are using in five years probably will look and feel really different. And when we say product, it might be an app, it might be a web browser, it might be something we have absolutely no idea. And that's part of what it means to be open to testing and figuring out what's most effective. Let me try to understand this. So you can use that testing and research capability to figure out what things that people do using the software work well or don't. You can also potentially use that kind of methodology to improve how you're building this out. Yes, Absolutely. that's a really excellent question. And I think that there's even another layer to it, which is like on top of the two you said, you know, what are what are people not doing? What are, what is current software not even make available that we hopefully can uncover could be added or should be added or is impactful? Um, and, and allow, you know, new features that we have not yet even thought of to be brought to the fore and, and be made useful for clients. Is uh, Helm a private company or what's the corporate structure? I think it's the same corporate structure that we had, which is an LLC. Yeah. And mm -hmm. just thinking of the market, like the large entity in the nonprofit software world is blackboard and that and they have i don't know tens of thousands of users doing fundraising and a broad suite of things that big non big and middle size and small nonprofits do does the tool set that you are putting together line up at all with what they do or do you think see it as in a different category yes is the answer and also <laughs> there are other things right i think you brought up um, phone to action. Blackbot certainly has competitors that are other CRMs. One of the things that's become quite clear to me is that we're, we don't have a single direct competitor. We didn't sort of create this company with a target on another organization's back. We really are trying to pull together disparate pieces, as Michael said, of things that one can do if you have the resources and the time and the staffing to pull all the pieces together yourself it's possible to run a program the way our clients are running programs. But we're trying to make it more accessible so that 
any organization can have access to world-class data and strategy. And to your question, managed services, I think one of the things that was a huge differentiator for us at the Tuesday Company was our training and our onboarding and our our support for people running program. And that's one of the things that we've brought here um, and are really helping them build out those components as well. Not everyone will use it. Some clients will just you know, have access to the products themselves. Other clients will will want more support, and we're here for both. I want to say something um, that might be mildly controversial. I think that Helm is, at its core, meant to be working with clients and, and a utility for clients to say, what is your goal for your organization? What are you actually trying to accomplish and help you to most effectively accomplish that? At least I have been involved in lots of conversations about kind of the way fundraising has grown and evolved to seem like an end unto itself, which often means spending a lot of money uh, on getting better at raising money and then spending a lot of money in ways that might not be at all you know, useful or not at least the most useful for accomplishing the core purpose of whatever the organization's mission is. For Helm, it's about understanding the effective path to change and giving clients the tools to do that. Whether it be organizing or fundraising, both will be part of it. But I think saying like fundraising first is a goal is actually antithetical to part of the purpose of this organization, which is like, no, your goal is not to raise more money. Like your goal is to have have this impact. Let us help you figure out the absolute best ways to do that. How will you charge for Helm? Uh, what's the business model? The Tuesday Company's clients are transitioning over to be Helm clients. And so our pricing and structures shouldn't look that different. There are clients using the other tools that Helm has now. And as we build additional products, we'll price them accordingly. I think the answer is like, we're working on those things. Software as a service, pricing, monthly, yeah. sort of. Yeah, okay. yes. Yeah. Cost pricing um, should look fairly familiar. The other thing is we really want it to be accessible. So some of the data kind of modeling and services that we're talking about, um, even thinking about like how have you moved the needle on making this a more equitable situation, those things normally would be tens of thousands of dollars. If you had the kind of, you know, people of the caliber that we have building that for you, we're not going to charge anything like that. We really want it to be accessible to individual organizations, large and small. Is this something that a one person nonprofit should consider? What's the low end? The answer is yes. I think deeper than that is probably outside of the world that Michael and I know a lot about, to be honest. We've nearly hit an hour again. What else would you like people to know about, you know, Tuesday plus Helm plus this launch at this time? We couldn't be more proud of the work that we've been able to do and more grateful for the support that we've been able to have over the course of the the life cycle of the Tuesday company. We just are I think so fortunate to have the opportunity to take that success and roll it into a larger vision where we have the opportunity to take everything we learned and contribute to, you know, a greater whole. I, I think that it's it's rare that anyone gets the opportunity to do that. And so it's going to be a lot of fun and we're still around and, and we'd love to, you know, help others on this journey and, and, are excited to be part of a, a whole new chapter here. When we first talked, I got the sense that Shola is not going to be a employee and Michael is. Am I right about that? And what would what will your roles be? What's the plan for each of you and what are your roles at Helm? For me, I, I'm staying on as um, general manager and like a senior vice president of civic activism. And what that means in like normal human speak is We've got kind of our data platform, our enterprise solutions, and our um, kind of individual or people-focused stuff. And the people-focused stuff, we realized it was nicer to call civic activism. So that's what I'm responsible for building out. And 
obviously that takes um, everything that we've learned at Tuesday and makes it makes it really relevant from an organizing perspective and an activation perspective. And sounds like a pretty good and interesting role. You're happy with that? Oh, I'm I'm ecstatic. I, again, like how cool is it to have a chance to take everything we've learned and apply it to a bigger problem with more resources and have a bigger impact? I think we're really lucky. Shola? I agree. We are really lucky. <laughs> um, and it was part of what we, we really wanted to see happen with our company. We wanted it to find a home where we could push forward the mission that we set out to try to work towards. And I will continue to do that. Um, I'm staying on as an advisor. I will be here for a very long time. I think we're really onto something. I think that the time horizon we're working on gives us this space and potential to really have a significant impact and, and really change the course of civic life in this country. And I find that personally really inspiring. Um, I mentioned that I have been talking to people across the space. I will continue to sort of represent Helm um, in the ecosystem. And I'm also working with founders um, who are both in civic tech and more broadly in the, the tech space. Um, I'm mentoring a lot um, and advising, and I've taken on some consulting projects, helping mostly with business strategy, operations, planning, kind of like bigger picture organizational structures, helping companies think about their own acquisitions or their internal metrics, massive growth periods. And I'm having a great time, honestly. Well, I really am so pleased and honored that the two of you would take so much time with me to talk about this. And uh, I look forward to watching what happens as we go forward with Helm and, and other projects. So thank you. Thank, thank you, Nathaniel. You. It's been a pleasure. That was Shola and Michael. They are at helmteam.us. This is Nathaniel G. Perlman with the Great Battlefield Podcast. You can find us at greatbattlefield.com or by searching for Great Battlefield in places where podcasts are found.